Vantage Point Racing Podcast. All you ever wanted to know about racehorse ownership and more. Go behind the scenes with me, Ilka Gansara Levesque, and get to know the stars of this wonderful sport of kings. Hi, everybody. This is Ilka and Steven from the Vantage Point Racing Podcast. Today, we got a full episode leading up to art and horse racing at St. Wendred's on May 7th. So sit back and have a listen. How's it going, Stephen? I'm very good, thank you. Um, three more artists on today's show. I'm, I'm, I've, I've got no artists to, to, to interview now for the next month, so uh, I've got used to interviewing all these artists. But we're going to be talking about the ones I haven't interviewed today. But you've already got some very exciting news to let Vantage Point Racing Club podcast listeners know already this morning on Sunday morning. Yeah, um, just once had her foal overnight. It's a boy, um, a nice little colt foal by uh, Golden Horn. We'll get some pictures out on social media later today. And um, we've been told that she's a very good mom. So I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, I mean, just once has just stopped recording. We actually started doing the recording and now we got interrupted, but it's fantastic news for you. Yeah, it was funny because um, Elias started shouting, Mom, Mom, check your phone. I said, what could it, I'm doing my podcast, what's going on? And there it was. Yeah, so exciting. Phone started blowing up with pictures and videos. Well, you must be super excited now, what with uh, just once having a foal and, and with art and horse racing only less than two weeks away now. Yeah, we're coming down to the final stages and um, yeah, just hoping the weather will be nice because it's all going to be a little bit weather dependent on how we display the art. But um, yeah, we got artists coming over from America. A a bunch will be here. So um, all the guests and people will get to meet them and speak to them. And, you know, there'll be, be so many different styles of art available and on display and sizes. And, you know, there'll be something for everybody. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. You've got several of the artists coming all the way over from America. Yep, Diana Cook from New York and Terry Lindsay from Vermont. They're going to be here. Rachel Constantine from um, uh, Pennsylvania. She'll be here. So, um, yeah, and then we'll have everybody else from all over England as well. So, you know, England's always bigger than you think when you're sitting in the car driving. The first time I think I went to Red Car, I was like, what the hell is going on here? thought this was a small country. It was like the never-ending journey. Good shout out there for Red Car Racecourse. Uh, how how's the DIY man Stefan getting on? Yeah, yesterday I said, "Well, how are we going to do this and this?" And he's like, "Just it's so much to do, but it doesn't. It's you know, it's fun. Um, I think I'm going to be painting a few stable doors. You know, we have you always have your own maintenance as well that has to take place, and we got a sale coming up, and we got some orders for that sale. So we were thinking, okay, well, those boxes, the new horses will go in there, and then you know." We're going to have a exhibition hay and like a display on hay. So it'll be very unique. Well, we ought to get started with our first guest. We've got three guests to hear from today. Debbie Burt, Terry Lindsay and Rachel Constantine. But we're going to start with Debbie Burt. She's an award-winning photographer, artist and journalist. And this is what Debbie had to say about art and horse racing. Welcome, Debbie, to the Vantage Point Racing Club podcast, episode 11. Hi, Stephen. Well, thanks. Thanks for joining me. How did you feel when you were invited to the Art and Horse Racing exhibition on May the 6th and May the 7th in Newmarket? 
Oh, it's very exciting to be invited, and uh, I'm I'm really pleased to be involved with it. With it. it's a, a great idea by Ilka, and uh, I hope she does really well. And you have a very strong racing connection, living near Cheltenham, um, working with Tattersall Sales, uh, and as a photographer. Yeah, so basically, my background, although I've always painted and drawn and and done sort of art sort of things, at school I learnt photography. And I was also very interested in writing. And over the years, various other jobs fell by the wayside. And I've ended up um, basically I'm a freelance horse racing journalist and photographer. Um, and I'm actually an international photographer. I go all around the world. So I'm not long back from the Dubai World Cup. I went to the Saudi Cup and I went out to um, Qatar for the Emir Saul Festival. And in between all that, I was working at the Cheltenham Festival this year. Oh, you're getting about then, aren't you? Yeah, I'm a I'm a busy person. <laughs> and you're very connected with Arabian racing as well. Yeah, so uh, with Arabian racing in the UK, I am their official photographer and I also do all their PR and media. Um, I write for several magazines about Arabian racing, which also includes my photos, um, which includes a magazine called Gallup magazine, which is quarterly, a magazine called uh, Jeux de Gallo Arabians, uh, which is an offshoot of a French magazine called Jeux de Gallo. And uh, and I have my own magazine, which is also quarterly, which is called The Arabian Racehorse. And like me, we were talking off air, you also work on a podcast. Yeah, so with The Arabian Racehorse, I do a podcast with an organisation called Equine Medi Record. And that's throughout the uh, English Arabian racing season. And that's to support our racing and uh, review some races and and, and look at the, the chances of horses running in, the, in future races. Arabian racing is where you also met Ilka for the first time. Yes, that's right. Gosh, years and years ago, um, she had uh, a horse uh, from an American owner, um, owner breeder, Kathy and Paul Smoke, and uh, he was called Stormtrooper. And, and that's when I, when I met her first. You mentioned your writing and photography. You're an award-winning journalist, photographer and sculptor. How did you first get involved in art? So um, I guess probably because I'm an only child who grew up in the middle of a wood. Um, so I had to do an awful lot of uh, entertaining myself, I suppose, as a child. And I just drew horses constantly. Um, and then there wasn't really much option to do sculpture at school. Um, we did a few things in clay and plaster bandage, but not anything that, that you would really classify as sculpture, really. Um, and then... Fast forward a little bit, I did briefly go to art school, although that didn't work out in the way I'd anticipated. Um, but in my 30s, I had the opportunity to do a bronze casting course, and which was only a week long. And um, I made a, a bronze horse's head during that week and found that I really enjoyed the whole process. And um, at the time, I, I had a in addition to my day job, I had a part-time job in a in a pub and talking to one of the um, customers there, he said, oh, well, look, I'll, I'll commission you to, to do a horse's head. So I did I did a head of Best Mate, who was the the, the most famous national hunt race horse of the time, who, who the chap was really um, uh, fond of. And then from that, he said, oh, well, maybe next time you should do one with legs. So I did another one of Best Mate, but this time a whole body. And it just sort of developed from there, really. But you don't just do horses, you do dogs as well, don't you? I, well, I'll, I'll pretty much do anything. I, um, I've done quite a lot of dogs. I think one of the reasons why I ended up doing a lot of dogs, I think really is um, one, a dog lives in the house. Well, most dogs live in the house with you and you have 
I'm not saying that people don't love their horses. That would be wrong. But horses are very expensive and tend to create bills out of nowhere. Um, and I think dog owners have slightly, slightly a little bit more disposable cash when it comes to wanting to immortalise them, I think. What's the process of doing a sculpture? Measurements must be key. Well, yes and no. I mean, it, it kind of depends on on your style. I mean, I um I I've tried I've I've studied under a, a huge variety of sculptors um through the equestrian artists, um Judy Boyd, Silla Han, um, Jill Parker. Outside of the equestrian artists, I've spent done a few courses with uh Mark Corrath, who you would know in Newmarket as the person who sculpted the Frankel that's in the Horse Racing Museum. And I think from all of you know, learning their different methods, um, when when I do teaching at Newmarket Academy once a year, um, I use Mark's method there because I think that's one of the easiest for people to understand. And, and I will pretty much use it myself, although possibly not quite as precisely as he does it. So um, his method when you're doing a whole animal is to take a photograph of it exactly side on. Um, so then you print it off onto, you know, black and white on a piece of paper. And then you um, you basically draw inside a basic skeleton. You can see the various points. So um, you know where um, the skull will attach to the top of the vertebrae. You know where you roughly know where the vertebrae will run. And so effectively, you've drawn this within um, the photograph as a as a skeleton stroke, what will then become the armature. And then what you do is you take your armature wire and you measure measure the length. So from um, the nose down the neck, along the vertebrae and down to the end of the tail, that's one length. Um, and you'll add up all those distant, you know, you'll, you'll measure that and add it. And then so that you can measure it on a straight piece of wire and you'll cut that wire to that length that you've measured. Um, and then you you make bends on that wire that correspond to where things bend on on your photograph stroke, the drawing of the skeleton. And then for the legs, you'll do the same, but you'll do it twice. So you'll have um, you'll measure from the tip of the hoof, if it's a horse, obviously, through all the joints, up through the forearm, across the shoulder, and then again along the vertebrae, and then from the point of the hip down and through the legs to the the end of the, the other hoof on the, if you're starting on the right, the right-hand side, and then you'll do exactly the same for the left-hand side. So you'll end up with three pieces of wire, um, which you then uh, join together around the middle with some tape um duct tape basically so what you'll end up then is a freestanding um small wire horse skeleton which is easily adaptable to to any other animal you just you know your measurements are just slightly different um and from there you'll block that out um with small one things you'll do it with plasticine with larger things it's easier to do uh with uh clay um because it just moves easier and it's easier to handle um, and also less expensive than trying to do. And you'd never do a life-size animal in plasticine. It would be ridiculous. And then once you've completed your model, um, you then have to uh, take a silicon rubber mould. From the mould, um, you'll take a wax positive. And from that wax positive, you will then cover that in um, a ceramic coating, um, very much like pancake batter, as it happens, um, and you let that dry and then you you do several coats of that. So you've probably got about three or four coats built up over the course of maybe a week. 
Um, and then you have to make sure that they'll go in the, into what the foundry will call a drying room because they have to be absolutely bone dry before they can go in the furnace. Because um, if they don't, they'll explode. And then they go in the furnace. Um, the furnace does two things. It fires the ceramic, so it's nice and hard, and it burns off the wax at the same time, which is why it's called the lost wax process. And so what you're left with then is a, a ceramic mold of your sculpture. Um, and that ceramic is then filled with molten bronze. Um, when that cools, you get a hammer, you break the, the ceramic shell, which is where you get the phrase breaking the mold. And underneath, as the, as the ceramic is beaten off and revealed, is, is your bronze sculpture. You then have to clean off all the tiny little bits which get stuck in the corners, like in the ears and the, the corners of the eyes and so on. And when it's fully clean, um, you'll then it's then ready to put a patina on, which is is the colouring. Um, I know that sounds quite an exhaustive process, but yeah, it, how long does that all take? Well, from start to finish. Well, if you say from the, the start, the start is when the when the sculpture is finished, rather than including my sculpting time. Um, most foundries anticipate about three months, basically twelve weeks. A lot will depend on the size of the piece. It has to be said. And you mentioned in that that you do some teaching as well in Newmarket. Yeah, so once a year I do a day um, at Newmarket Newmarket Academy. Um, that's with a charity called Racing to School. Um, it started off originally um, I was just uh, teaching for a morning, and we do it at the the racing school uh, the racing um, museum, and then. Um, they said, well, actually, look, we're really enjoying it. It would be so much better if you could come in and do a whole day at the school. Um, now, at the time, I had no idea, but actually that's a very rare thing to to get a whole class of students for a day. It just doesn't really happen. And to be fair, it's it's partly because it's all funded by the Godolphin Beacon Project, which is um, obviously funded by Sheikh Mohammed and Dali. Um, but it's it's probably one of the most fulfilling days of my year, every year. None of the students have ever done sculpture before i don't think any of them i've ever taught have ever done sculpture before although i suppose at some point there might be someone who who might have done something who was quite keen but they're just they're not specially selected it's just a regular art class um they're all in their um first year of uh first year second year of gcse and i have them for the whole day and by the end of the day everyone has produced a horse although to be fair this year we had a few students go off piste and we had a lot as well as a horse, we had a giraffe and a hippo. And I couldn't quite tell you what it was, but it was a a character out of a computer game. But they were they were all excellent. You know, it's it's a, a very fulfilling day. And you're spreading the sort of gospel of art, aren't you? Well, yeah, but also I'm spreading the gospel of horse racing. I I um I always try and ensure that, you know, when I'm doing uh, the talking in between the teaching. Um, you know, they understand that my background is in horse racing. That's what fostered my interest in art, really, I suppose, was being a, wanting to be able to represent horses and thoroughbreds and Arabians and, and so on through, you know, in, in a racing environment. And, you know, I've been everything. I've been a groom. I've been um, a stable hand. I've been a racing secretary. Um, I've been an official. I've sponsored races um you know as well as the stuff that I do now as a, as a racing photographer and journalist and I I think it's really important that people see that one horse racing isn't just about either being a jockey or mucking out stables and I think it's also important for people for the students to understand that um careers change 
Um, and racing is certainly um, an environment which is very um, welcoming to people doing changes of career at different stages of their life. And I think for young people, it's very important because it is one of the major industries in the country. And the earlier that they're made aware of those sort of things, the better. Absolutely. Where have you had your work exhibited? Um, all over. Um, so when I first started, it was just sort of local things like the Royal Bath and West show. Um, I was uh, involved with when this is when I lived in the south. Um, southwest i've exhibited um, frequently at the mal galleries in london i've exhibited at the osborne studio gallery in london i've exhibited in a um, uh, sally mitchell's fine art gallery up towards um, the north of england i've exhibited uh, as i said uh, that thing in in turkmenistan i've exhibited at the national horse racing museum in newmarket all over i've got i've got work in france i've had work sold to america um it's uh it's been an interesting and varied career so far. It certainly has. Truly international. And on May the 6th and May the 7th, you're going to be in Newmarket and you'll be there yourself. Yeah, I certainly will. Yeah, I'll be around on, on the whole weekend. What art is Debbie having exhibited at Art on Horse Racing? So I'm really excited because we have the big horse head elegance. That's a limited edition of three and we have number one here. And it's already here. So if anybody's in the area and wants to see it beforehand and think about it, because it, you know, it's, it's very, it's large. It's like quarter life size and it's large, it's heavy. It's like an investment and it's beautiful. And then we'll also have number one of her little limited edition series strength that just got finished in the foundry. So it's like straight from the foundry to St. Wendred's. I, I haven't even seen it. Debbie picked it up the other day, but elegance is here. And then we'll have, Two smaller pieces, a baby elephant and a and a and a uh, hound. It's called on the scent, but they're they're smaller. I mean, they're all limited edition, but the special one is is elegance, which is like number one of a limited edition of three. And Debbie will be there over the weekend. Yeah, Debbie will be working at the races since she, like you said, she's a race racing photographer, and then she'll be um, come to St. Wendred's always afterwards, take a few pictures as well. Um, yeah, so you'll get to meet her, get to talk to her. It's all exciting. Well, you mentioned in the introduction that uh, I think by the end of the show, I will have interviewed 10 artists and you've got 14 coming to Art and Horse Racing on the 6th and the 7th. Can we just talk a bit about the, the four artists who didn't want to be interviewed, but um, we're going to be hopefully seeing all their art at Art and Horse Racing? Yeah, most of them will be here even in person. So um, the ones that were a little bit shy were Mandy Deersley. She's down uh, like Essex, Colchester way. Uh, she'll be here in person. So you can you have all the chance to talk to her. She does. She she we have a few uh, bronze resin hairs from her and um, pastel work. So she's she's big into, you know, like country scenes and um, stuff like that. You know, be surprised. I'm going to do a little reel on her so you'll see some of her work. But Elia is always saying, only if only a sneak peek, don't show too much. So, yeah, Mandy Deersley, then Jackie Hardman from Beverly. She was um, Beverly Racecourse's in-house artist for a while. Um, yeah, she has beautiful, like we have a lot of, she does oils. So um, it'll be 
landscapes, seascapes, dogs, and uh, one really cool cat that's already sold, but it's going to be in the ex. You know that that already sold before it even arrived. Yeah, so she's she was also shy, and then we have uh, Liz Armstrong. We had technical issues there, right, with the interview. Um, that's right. She, yeah. She's the wind, you know, people know her from all her national hunt scenes, contemporary art. She's at Windsor. She's a Windsor um, in-house artist. And she's always at Newbury. And she's also always at Cheltenham. So people from racing, they already know, you know, you see her artwork all the time. People are familiar with her art. And then we have a very serious artist, Phyllis Floyd from New York City. She even has work exhibited in Kettle's Yard or like in the collection of Kettle's Yard in Cambridge. Um, you can find all more information on every artist on my website. I've linked their uh, websites, you know, on my website. So go check it out again, sarahlevesque.com or whatever it is. Yeah. I, I, bear, I rarely go on my own website. Just Google my name. You'll find everybody will be in one place on my website. You can look them up. So it's going to be exciting because we have such a, wide array of styles and, um, you know, themes, everything, media, all different kinds of work, something for everybody's taste and um, different price ranges as well. You were telling me Phyllis Floyd is in her 90s. Yeah, she's a real hardcore artist. Uh, if you look her up, like, uh, you know, she's she's a serious, serious artist, so have a Check it out. But her daughter will be here. So you you have a chance to meet her daughter. Her daughter has a design studio in Cambridge. So, um, yeah, if anybody's interested, come and speak to her daughter, Eve. Well, you've certainly got an international collection of artists for art and horse racing. I know it started with a small idea and it turned into a huge event. And I've already got people or artists asking me, they were like, oh, too bad we didn't know about it. And I was like, don't worry about it. It'll happen again the way this is going. So I hope it'll be a big success for all the artists. You know, that it was a leap of faith sending over artwork from Montana or whatever. So I just I just want people to have a good day. And like I said, it all started with the idea behind it was art that makes you feel good. So that's uh, that's the main thing. Well, certainly speaking to the artists, they like the idea and they're super excited to be uh part of art and horse racing and our our next guest who is coming over to Newmarket, terry Lindsay, she's an artist and owner of the tilting at windmills i know you know i know you like that name in new england and this is what terry had to say about art and horse racing hello terry thanks for joining me on the vantage point racing club podcast episode 11 hello Stephen. we've been talking already so i'm all warmed up so <laughs> You're not too nervous now, then? No, not really. No. Well, can you let listeners know where you are in America? We're in um, Vermont, best state in the country, and um, it's just a, it's very much like England, Ireland, all those areas. It's very rural, very green, very beautiful, very special, special place to be. And it's near Saratoga. It's about an hour from Saratoga, so, so that's you're, you're... how the you're good for racing then, aren't you? Yes, yes. What was your reaction when Elka asked you to be part of art and horse racing on May the 6th and May the 7th? 
Well, pretty shocked. I haven't heard from Elka for many years. Um, she came into the gallery in Saratoga one day and had um, her husband, future husband with her. And they said, you know, we're getting married tomorrow. And I said, what are you doing in a gallery now? Because you should be getting ready to get married. Anyway, we just chatted and that was kind of the end of it. But then she must have gotten on my mailing list or something. And then out of the blue, she contacted me for a piece of art that I had. I had painted um, a lot of course related art, obviously, in Saratoga, and it was a very successful venture. So it was um, it enabled me to buy this gallery here in Manchester. So that was how that evolved. But she must have come along through the years following my um, marketing somehow and called up and ordered a um, piece of art that pertains to Saratoga. It's the racing table. You've probably seen pictures of it. Well, shipping it to Newmarket was the furthest thing from my mind for, for, you know, when I was making it on my easel, I was thinking, I wonder where this will go. And Newmarket was the last place I ever imagined. So that was very thrilling. And then we communicated. She bought more art. We talked about art and horses and how they all mixed together. And I told her I had been a trainer for a short time and been an artist and all this that's happened in between the time that we first met. And she had evolved into being a trainer in Newmarket. And I hadn't been following her. So we communicated further. And then all of a sudden, she came up with the idea of having this art show. And I thought, oh, boy, you don't know what you're getting into. It's almost worse than having horses because it takes a lot of time. And coordinating artists are not all organized and they're not all easy to work with, like just like horses. Anyway, she's doing it and she's done it. And I'm very impressed. I can't believe what she's going to do. So I'm very excited. We're coming to see the show. Um, we'll be there for the private opening. We won't be there from then on, but um, it will be very exciting to see. Very. And she's amazing. I can't believe what she's done. Well, you're one of 13 artists and I'm sure that. I'm sure you're easy to get on with. Um, I'm sure you're an easy person to deal with. But how did how were you first attracted to art? Oh, from the get go. Like I always say, I was born with a pencil in my hand poor mom. <laughs> but anyway, I've really loved art all my life because I have a pretty active imagination, if you want to ask Al about that. And it's carried me to a lot of adventures. I've met wonderful people. I've met wonderful artists. We've had wonderful journeys through with art. And it's kept me with horses. I trained horses for a short time, but I've loved horses. I had a horse myself for 38 years and she trained my kids how to ride. And it, it, it's, they all link together and they make a beautiful story. And I'm probably the oldest artist performing in this show. And I have the most stories because everything is a story, just like you talked about. And they're fun. They're just fun because some are fun and some are sad and some are just interesting. So it's never ending. It's always new and fresh. And there's always another artist and another expression to be surprised by. I was reading 1990. Was that the show with your father, who was a photographer and a writer that really sparked wow, you Wow, you researched, Stephen. I'm impressed. 
Is that right, though? 1990? Yes, I, yeah, he yeah, he was supportive of that. He was not supportive when I was in my formative years, shall we say. He did not think that um, it was important for girls to go to school because they were just going to get married. And that was that. So um, so I kind of missed out on that. I did study, but I never got a degree. And um, but anyway, yes, we shared that. And it's sad because we didn't have enough time to share that part. And was that the trigger? Because since then, you've had many private commissions. You've received awards. Not really since then. It was way before that. But he did kind of suggest because I was crazy about horses like every other young girl in the United States or in the world. Um, there is a special link that I don't know what it is, but maybe it's a nurturing aspect. I can't tell you what it is, but um, that draws women to horses. And he said, why don't you do something with horses in Saratoga? So it planted a seed. I've known the gallery that I own now for over 32 years. Um, I've shown in it. I've learned how to frame in it. And it's taught me a lot. But before I bought it, I started the gallery in Saratoga from scratch with just a couple artists and it grew to be about 50 artists. So that was, that was an adventure. And, um, and probably in some ways it was something he just off the cuff said, why don't you go do that? And it worked and it was a wonderful combination. Saratoga is very architecturally beautiful. It also is something I didn't expect. It, it's got such history to it that family upon family would come back for generations. How would you describe your own art? My own art? Because um, you know paint lots of different things, don't you? It's, it's do. horses, children, I, flowers, landscapes, still life. Well, I don't know if you found the latest one. One of the latest ones I painted was at the start of COVID. Is this and the um, A Few Good Words? Yes. Yeah, that that was that crazy one. And that's yeah. something that really carried me through COVID because everything on the news, everything everything was so negative and so discouraging that I wanted to go to bed at night with good thoughts in my mind. And so I started every night with with no plan and usually all my art is planned out, sketched out, thought out. And this was just off the cuff. Every night, every day, I would think of at least three words that were meaningful and that maybe I'd like my grandchildren to think about. And um, so people wanted to buy it right away and I didn't want to sell it because it had my grandchildren's names in it. And then I ended up doing commissions for other people with their grandchildren's names in it. So it's, it's kind of a crazy little path that it took me down. And I, I think ca- all art does. Yeah, I caught that, caught that on your Tilting at Windmills gallery. Were the words like therapy for you, three, three a day? Yes, definitely. Definitely. And, and that's how much of it's interpreted. And it was like a puzzle, like, you know, what, what's the future going to be like? And, you know, are we all going to be like this forever with COVID and on and on and on? You've got to put out good in the world. I, I read that um, you leave room for viewers' imagination. Presumably, that's typical for that 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 wonderful piece with the words. 
well, imagination is something I can't get rid of. I mean, I'm going around with years ago, our first trip to England, I went to Lamburn and we were were the cousin of some my neighbor and um she took us to an old church it was at easter time and we fed the chickens before we went to this old church in the village and i've been wanting to paint this lady and her dog going to feed the chickens for 15 or 20 years and so imagination can stay with you for a long time and Hopefully I'm going to do that this year. That's my goal. Anyway, it's just it's just something that I think all artists have visions, stories in their minds that they want to share or they want to just get out so that they can see it. I sculpt with clay sometimes. And it's just all different ways of getting a story out of your mind. And stories are stories are what we are about. <laughs> They're special. Why do you like painting horses? Because I love horses, period. End of story. I love the smell. (laughs) I love touching them. I love the way they sound. I love their rhythm, their cadence. I mean, there's what's to not love? And you've mentioned it several times. You're an owner now, and you have been, of two galleries, but you're now the owner of the Tilting at Windmills Gallery. Fantastic name, by the way. Right. Uh, Great name. What can you tell us about the gallery? Gallery is really cool. It started 52, 53 years ago, and the founder was with the Christie Minstrel Singers. He came to this town. He fell in love with the town and skiing and the mountains and the lifestyle, and he was sick of traveling. He was an avid musician getting his master's or doctorate. Now I can't remember which, and he decided to stop. In this town, he started a poster shop in the center of town, just did posters for the local ski areas, sold them. Boom, it just exploded and got bigger and better and bigger and better. And he outgrew his space in the center of town. So he bought this building, which was an old, I mean, it was a grocery store. It was a medical center. It's an old, old building. And he gutted it. And he designed the entire interior of the gallery. And he did that and he was very successful. And he went on from posters to originals. And he had three artists that were the founding, I call them the founding artists, Gunter Chorus, um, who's from Germany. And then also Hale Johnson. Hale Johnson's done a million paintings of England, Ireland, Scotland, all the places over there. And then also Jerry Lubeck. And those three artists carried this gallery to become an unbelievable destination gallery. The second owners bought it and they they were very successful and it they peaked at 2008 and then everything kind of went down. Um and so they they just wanted out of the gallery. So and when did so you buy the gallery? When did you buy the gallery? 2013. 2013. And because I had made enough in Saratoga, I had been with this gallery for 30 years. And like I said, shown in it, worked in it, learned how to make framing, all the back end parts of a gallery that are um, that are important, but 
nobody really sees, although we call the upstairs in this gallery the Magic Kingdom, because when people come up here where I store all the art, they're like, oh, this is exciting. And I've sold some <laughs> big pieces up here because they think it's a treasure hunt. And <laughs> but this used to be all just framing. Um, Sean, the first owner, the founder, he um he said, I'm as crazy as Don Quixote tilting at windmills. And that's how it all started. And tilting at windmills was on Broadway at the time, Don Quixote. And, and so that whole thing was very popular at the time. And it's it's been a success story all the way because it survived 2008. Um, not as grand as it was before 2008. And then after that, it started to come back and I bought it and it, it, I'm ba basically a solo employee. My husband does the finances, but I basically do the rest. I have a couple people that help once in a while, but they're very part-time. You've got your own, uh, your own art exhibited there, but how many other artists are there at uh, Tilting? Oh my goodness. Tilting I bet I have 50 years so artists but you're one of new, new england's largest galleries now oh i know it's been that way for i didn't do that that it's been that way since the start that was mostly sean hunt who started it and he made it a destination gallery he didn't want to be in the center of town and have walk-in traffic it's a destination gallery so i just have carried it on because i love it i love this gallery and have you had your own work exhibited all around the world and in the UK? Have you? Have no, you had I've it? sold. I've sold abroad, but I haven't exhibited abroad. In fact, the reason I own a gallery is because I'm not a good self promoter. I'd rather talk about somebody else's art than to talk about my art. I just don't feel comfortable with self promotion. So, but I'm honored to have art in Newmarket. You have no idea how exciting that is for me. I never dreamt. I mean, when I went to Newmarket the first time with people that are near, um, they're, they're nearby, they live nearby, Jenny and Malcolm Massey, and um, they're big heart horse fans, and they took us to Newmarket. So I was taking pictures out the windshield of the car. I was so excited to be there. And then we went and saw the gallops and we went and saw all that. And I was so excited to see all that because I've just read about it. I've never. Well, you must do it. that when you must do that when you come in May. Yeah. It is the home of horse racing, of course, New Market. So uh, I know. You com you're coming to the perfect place for horse racing and for a special, unique um, exhibition, Art and Horse Racing. You'll be meeting Elka, meeting Elka, yeah. <laughs> Elka's such an energy bubble. I mean, she is amazing. I love it. I'm so excited to have all this connection. It's it's just like someday I'm going to write a book, Stephen, you like stories. They're just endless. They're endless and they connect. And the, the passion that everybody has that they share is so... I wish we could do that all around with everybody. Well, it'd be wonderful to see you on May the 6th. And I'm sure you'll you'll enjoy being in the presence of all the other artists who will be oh, there. Oh, it'll be fun. 
it will at be Art and Horse Racing. Yeah. Um, in Newmarket at Ilka's St. Wendred Stable. St. Wendred Stable. I can't wait. I can't wait. It's going to be, it's, it's, it's just something I never thought would happen. So do you remember that first time you met Terry, as she just said in our interview? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I used to, I love that exhibition that she did, that um, mainly just horse art exhibition in Saratoga. So yeah, Stefan and I went and got to chatting and that's how that, then you keep in touch and her gallery is in Vermont and it's really like one of the, like a very well-known gallery in New England. So um, she does a great newsletter on a Sunday. So anybody that wants to sign up to that, it's a great newsletter. And I, I just always like look forward to reading her newsletters on Sunday because it's about art and it's let you scroll down and you see different artwork and she just writes with so much love. I'm like, how do people do it? Um, you know, when you have a talent for writing and it just tells a nice story and it's um, so that's kind of how I kept in touch with her. And then we have the equine vet connection. So it's funny that Peggy Judy's husband is an equine vet and Terry's husband and her son as well. And there'll be vets here as well as guests. So everybody, horses bring everybody together from all over the world. It's such a, that's the great thing about horse racing. We mustn't forget you're also a trainer and Miss Bella Brand ran fourth of 14 in a, in a high quality race on the all weather at Lingfield on Good Friday. Yeah, we ran in that race last year as well. So she really, she did herself proud. She didn't get beat very far, uh, like a length and a quarter. Um, and then I had planned for her to run in that listed race at Bath on Friday, but we got balloted out. I know she's like only rated in the seventies, but I think she, she, I'm going to, that's my main aim with her. She's five now uh, for a filly to pick up some black type. You always secure their, you know, their second career. And I, I'm going to, target a little listed race with her in Germany um, during this season. That's the main aim. And then, you know, she's so competitive and she always picks up a check. And I actually got a phone call from somebody wanting to send me a horse to train that's been following her. So it's just like, she's, she's such a great flag bearer, even though she's not like, you know, it's not like she's, you know, her rating or anything is not like she's a derby horse. But it's um, great because people do follow these horses. And that's also what racing is about. It always tells a story. And there's a story behind every horse, whether it's a class six at Wolverhampton or on the big day on the Saturday on ITV racing. You know, they're all um, all these horses have a story to tell and everybody and they give everybody that's involved with them a lot of joy. And there's, you know, things go up and down in its life. So I think racing really should focus more on on those stories. A chance to run in Germany. That must be something exciting. Yeah, it's always a big effort. And when it doesn't work out, then you get the long faces of the owners to deal with. They're probably listening to the podcast. But um, you look real good when it works. And when it doesn't work, you're like, oh, they say, how much is this going to cost? But uh, you have to take, you know, you have. To, I have ideas and you always have to have plan A and plan B. But, you know, the wheels are in motion. Let's get back then to our third guest today, Rachel Constantine. She's a oil painter and she's American, but she's now being based in Cambridge, I think, for a couple of years. And uh, this is what Rachel had to say. I did find out she likes Earl Grey tea. 
Hello, Rachel. Welcome to the Vantage Point Racing Club podcast, episode 11. Hello, Stephen. Thank you for having me. And you're in Cambridge at the moment, and I'm dying to know why you're in Cambridge, because you've also got a studio in Philadelphia. I do have a studio in Philadelphia as well. Um, yeah, so um, I decided to come here because I decided I needed to experience a little bit uh, another part of the world. And I thought, you know, I'm not getting any younger and the UK is gorgeous and let's see what happens. And I found myself in Cambridge and thought this place is absolutely stunningly beautiful. And also I happen to do a lot of portrait commissions and it might be one of the only places in the world where there are, you know, over 30 colleges with a line on the budget for portrait commissions. So it did make it did make sense in the end coming here. But it is also a very beautiful place. And you've converted to drinking tea, as we've found out. Off I air. actually have. Yeah, I am my Earl Grey tea, which I'm not without anymore. So and, and, and how long <laughs> do you think you'll be staying here? Uh, I mean, I'm here for at least a couple of years and we'll see how it goes. I'm going to try it out. Well, you'll find out. But so you're yeah, certainly, in, yeah, certainly in a very nice place in Cambridge. But how did you feel about being part or how do you feel about being part of art and horse racing in Newmarket on May the 6th and May the 7th? Yeah, I mean, it's very exciting. Um, it's definitely a different venue for me. And I'm looking forward to the entire experience. And how did it come about? Did Ilka just contact you? Uh, Ilka met a friend of mine and um, and through him, he showed her my work and she contacted me. And um, it just turned out to be good timing, I think, because it'll be the first thing I've done here. It'll be my first actual um, exhibition with more than a piece, you know, be since I arrived here less than a year ago. Yeah, I was going to ask how long you've been here. Yeah, been here 10 months, actually. In this short chat, we're going to talk, talk about yourself, your art, your style. But how did art start for you? How did it all begin? How did art start for me? Well, my mother wanted to be an artist when she was young, and um, her parents weren't so keen on it, so they dissuaded it. And I think when I showed some interest, my mother very excitedly encouraged me instead of... Um, trying to oppress it so uh she would set up uh, still life set up on the dining room table when I was very young and started me drawing at a very young age and it kind of progressed from there I know you went to the Cavendish Art College in London in 2003 no actually, no, actually um I actually taught there for taught a summer there. yeah yeah no yeah. I went to the Pennsylvania Academy of the Fine Arts in Philadelphia which is the oldest art school in the country based on the Royal Academy and the French Academy system. So it's an intense four-year program studying the figure, working from life. And then after that, did you come over then to teach over here? And then, yeah, so that was um, one of my first summers out of school. Yeah, I came over and uh, taught a summer program, an internship program, and co-taught with one of the teachers at Cavendish which was a fun summer experience it was like uh my own first experience in the UK as well and I spent a summer and fell in love with it you describe yourself as a classical realist oil painter and your work is an ongoing autobiography 
of images. Can you explain to listeners what that means? Um, so there's a second part to that sentence, and that is, um, and it, it's it's a catalog of images that utilizes the people, places, and things that are closest and more meaningful to me. So it's essentially like a narrative. My personal work is a narrative journal, I would say, of ways of working out ideas and concepts that are interesting and relevant to me at the time. So like um, conceptually, I, I like to think of it as conceptual realism. So there's a narrative behind, you look at it, it looks like it's an object, but there's an actual narrative behind it. You can recognize what it is. It's not an abstract painting, you know. So a story, a story then. There's a story, yeah, so... And, and, my and you're you're painting portraits, flowers, still life, landscape, and you're doing drawings as well. And I've seen some in charcoal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, I mean, my 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 big love is oil paint. I love the tactile meatiness of the paint itself. It's very sculptural, but it's also um, you know it also is workable for a long period of time, which is very appealing to me i like to be able to change things um so yeah and when you do portraits i read that you like to do people that you know i do well i use the people i know because i can i feel like i can get a a sense of who they are in the in the image it's very important to me to have an emotive quality to the to to a portrait and obviously the, the better i know a person the easier it is for me to kind of try and capture that in the image and will it's you not take- essential you know i could do it but you know i could paint your portrait and we could still have you feel something but if, the more time i spend with you the better you know the more i think i can get into that painting i'd have to have an l gray tea in my hand wouldn't i yes you would mm-hmm. definitely and is it portraits you like the best then of the different themes um i think I think that portraiture for me offers the most flexibility in terms of narrative, I think. And it's obviously the most relatable. I mean, portraiture is is what got me interested in painting and art in the first place. You know, I wanted to be able to draw the people around me. So, so yes, I think the answer to that would be yes. I think so. Although I do find I'm, I'm loving this. I'm loving still life more lately as well, because there are opportunities there too, that I think it's, it's underutilized. I think still life is kind of having a moment right now, which is really exciting in the art world too. But that's a whole other conversation. And has that changed <laughs> since you've moved to Cambridge, the still life uh, attraction? Yeah, well, I mean, it has, you know, I, I came here and there was a still life show at Mary Edwards that was just opening at the time, which was really fascinating, um, of, of women artists. And um yeah, I seem I just it seems like it's a theme that keeps coming up right now. And I guess for me too, being new here and not having, you know, me I should say being surrounded by all new people, I can create a deep narrative through still life that I can't do with the people quite yet because I'm getting to know everyone, although I have met some amazing people and I think that's one thing about Cambridge that is so lovely, is that it was a very warm and welcoming community to me here especially as a as an artist it was a really great place to set up shop i think and where have you had your art exhibited 
um in 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 the past um well in the states i've been in museums um i i was in the customs house museum the pennsylvania academy of the fine arts museum i was in the philadelphia museum of art i was just recently in the susquehanna art museum and l oh god i have to look at my resume but there's been a quite a few museums lately um uh texas a&m um i think galleries i've shown with principal gallery i've shown gallery 2061 1261 in denver done a lot of things in philly of course um what's the feeling like when you've got your art on display do you go in these galleries with trepidation or do you not go there it depends it certainly depends depends on how rushed the deadline was but um for the most part it's just exciting and nice. you know you know it's nice we don't do it you know, in a vacuum, it's nice to get the work out there. And obviously, you know, when somebody wants to buy your work, it really means a lot, you know. So. And on May the 6th and May the 7th, you're going to see a lot of new people because hopefully yeah. you're going to be there at least one yeah. of the days in Newmarket for art and horse racing yes. in a modern horse racing yard down the Hamilton Road at St. Wendred's. How excited yeah. are you about being there? Oh, it'll be really exciting. I mean, it's uh, it's a, it'll be a new experience all the way around for sure. Um, I went and visited the stable, and it's beautiful. So I think it'll be a really charming opportunity to get out and see some art, and you know, and see the horses, and obviously the race happening that weekend is super exciting. You know, so I think it'll be it'll be lovely. Well, I look forward to seeing you. Um, over the weekend of the 6th and 7th of May. And thanks for being on the uh, Vantage Point Racing Club podcast, episode 11. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And Rachel's going to be there at Art and Horse Racing. Well, she's a classic realist oil painter. She does all kinds of things, still lives and and um, portraits and nudes and all that stuff but i i chose the florals i thought that would complement the exhibition well uh i said we don't need any naked naked pictures but uh yeah so it it goes with the theme and and her florals are beautiful and that's um what's going to be on display and and she has a series of skies uh yeah it'll be interesting come and check it out you were telling me off air we've also got a competition for art and horse racing Yes, exactly. So Emily Johnson, she uh, kindly made a watercolor sketch. And um, all you have to do is follow her and myself on Instagram and like, share and tag two people in the comments. And what else do you have to do? That's about it. You can find the um, competition thingy post on her Instagram or my Instagram and and then just do what it says in the instructions. But it's your usual, like, share, comment, and tag people. And then we will um, pick the winner. And hopefully it'll be a winner that can come and pick it up in person. But if a bunch of international people take part, then uh, I'll be happy to send it wherever. And you can find out more about all the artists, as we've said earlier in the show, on your own website. There's the website links for all 14 of the artists. 
Yeah, exactly. So I, I updated all of that. Yeah. So have a look or, you know, have a look, see if there's anything that interests you. And if you are in the area, you can pop in ahead of time. If you want to have a sneak peek, it's not a problem. Elka, reminder on the times of art and horse racing. So the public day is on Sunday, May 7th, 10 to 6 p.m. Or if somebody's staying till the last race, and I think the last race is at 5 or 5.30, so don't worry about it. Just come after the last race. We'll still be open. It's just when I made all the the flyers and stuff, you have to commit to something, and then you're like, oh, okay, it's kind of cutting it close if somebody's there till the last race. But it's supposed to be you can pop in on your way to the races or coming from the races. If you have your winnings, come and spend them at St. Wendred's. And you've kindly agreed to be on the Paddock and the Pavilion, my own podcast, where I'm going to talk to you about Art and Horse Race and feature all 10 of the artists I've interviewed. That's going to be a task. And also we'll mention the four artists who I haven't interviewed to give a bit more promotion to Art and Horse Racing, if it even needs it, uh, ahead of the uh, the event on May the 7th at uh, St. Wendred's in Newmarket. Yeah, I really appreciate it because that's going to be an editing uh you know fun editing isn't it to make a collage out of all of that but um yeah you've had your work cut out for your yourself over the last few episodes of this but i really appreciate it and it's and, and it's going to be great and you always need all the promotion you can get they will only be short collages of each uh, um uh, guest i can assure you you will be the main guest on my podcast okay looking forward to it So see you guys all on May 7th in Newmarket at St. Wendred's. Join the Vantage Point Racing Club today. Watch the horses that you put your money in run their race. Free racing tickets. Meet the horses and the team, including the jockey, trainer, physio, and everyone else. Come to open days and get a welcome gift. Get weekly updates on all the horses in the club. New to racing? Not to worry. You will learn all about it. Ask questions anytime. Tune into my month-to-month podcast featuring racehorse ownership, info, and more. All just for £20 a month. We look forward to meeting you here at St. Wendrick's. If you love racing, come and share it. 